When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're going to have this ability to now reframe. Allow yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out. The thoughts and the feelings and the behavior cycle can start changing. Are you having a hard time losing weight? I mean, besides the obvious, doing all of the things, that is the conversation today. Four reasons why your weight might be slower to move. And we are talking to the perfect person to have this conversation with. Dr. Paul, hello, hi. Good hello, morning. good morning, Gina. I'm super stoked about this. This is my favorite topic to discuss because it's right up my alley. It's what I do with all my patients. So, and I should point out to people who may be listening to us uh, for the first time is that you are familiar with the program um, because we, you and I are both local, although we have people doing the program from all over the world. Right. You actually have an opportunity to see some people who have followed through and done the program and who straight up have been having a hard time. And so you're able to give them guidance, obviously above and beyond the basics. And that's the first thing I want to talk about is, is what you are doing when following the Libby method is really doing as many things as possible within your control without the need of professional assistance. Would that be the right way to phrase that? Yeah. And I, I think that's a great place uh, to start. And, you know, I think the majority of people get a lot of good benefits when they just follow the Libby program and, and yeah. really working with someone like myself or another naturopathic doctor is really going to take you to the next level or help you troubleshoot particular issues or symptoms that you're having a tougher time addressing. So, I mean, ideally the, the situation for what people will get out of this conversation today, Gina, is they will maybe have some insight into why they are not able to lose the weight that they want to, or they feel like it's slower. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's, it's about perspective and they need another person just to reflect that back to them and bounce some of these kind of non-biased ideas back. Because I think that the nature of a program like, like, like yours is that you're going to have some people that are going to be huge losers and there's going to be some that are going to be very little losers and you're going to have everything in between. And then people naturally start thinking about like, well, why am I not losing 50 pounds? I want to lose 50 pounds where yeah. you may be on the 10 pound every three month protocol or, or five pounds. And, and that's, I do a lot of that where I kind of, I, I assess every everything from literally their childhood uh eating habits and their their stressors and, and we go through their whole health history we go through review systems and we're actually going to touch on a bunch of those things that we discuss with the patients today Gina. yeah okay so now it is still normal at this point for, to not have seen any loss on the scale i just do want to say that um but around week six week seven we start to think okay like if you are not seeing anything happening like if you are making all the changes following the food plan uh, maximizing your efforts managing your stress and your sleep and moving your body and you know um even working hand in hand with your healthcare professional to uh, optimize addressing any health issues that you might have cholesterol issues high blood pressure maybe you have diabetes mm -hmm. thyroid issues that kind of thing you know this is where if you are making all of these changes you should be noticing something happening albeit maybe not on the scale, but you should be experiencing all sorts of non-scale victories. Some telltale signs that are saying your hard work is paying off. And with the ones we're talking about today, this is really where you are really like giving it a go. You are really trying, you are doing all of the things and you just feel like nothing is happening. And our first one, inflammation, that that's a big one. That's the, where I've seen people just literally do the things and it just, nothing is happening. And so what is inflammation and why would that stop someone from losing weight or at least slow them down? Right. Yeah. So inflammation is a process that happens in the body that normally helps us heal something, Gina. So inflammation is a normal thing. However, the problem is, is that when inflammation becomes chronic and persistent, 
And so that, those are situations that, you know, you might hear about when it comes to things like autoimmunity, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, any sort of itis in, in, med- okay. in medicine is usually an inflammation process at some, in some way or at some level. So those are like, kind of like the big things, you know, it's like rheumatoid arthritis. This is obviously inflammatory conditions, but there are many types of inflammation. And I've said this so often with, with our conversations is that it's not just those big inflammation pieces. It could be something like food related inflammation. That's going to be a great segue into another point that we're going to talk about when it comes to gut and also food sensitivities, particularly. So there's like this allergic type of inflammation that plays a key role. And that's not going to be causing joint degeneration, but it might be causing joint uh, kind of like swelling, puffiness. You might have water retention that's happening. You might have things like even fatigue and brain fog. Um, Inflammation now is really being looked at as one of the key drivers of almost all chronic disease. So anything from Alzheimer's, dementia, inflammation connection to fatty liver issues, to depression, things that we would never have related to maybe 10 years ago. So inflammation is a process that is good in the short term. The body needs to create it and then actually resolve it. So there's actually a resolving process. A lot of times we are not able to properly resolve inflammation. We're stuck in this like almost like a cycle where we just continue to make inflammation. We don't, we don't break that. And, and that is where the problem lies is, is this chronic inflammation. And there's a big umbrella kind of inflammation. Then there's all these like sub areas of inflammation that we're, you know, I'm sure we're going to unpack, but that is really um, the overarching idea about inflammation. Okay. So I should say, we're going to talk about inflammation. We're going to talk about food sensitivities. We're going to talk about like gut issues. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about hormone health. So those are the four things that we are really right. going to dive in today. So inflammation is, is kind of, would you say the inflammation is the biggest reason or are they all just kind of same, same? I. No, a lot of people love kind of um, finding out like, what's the number one reason, Dr. Paul, they'll ask me. And yeah. my, my answer to them is like, what's your reason? And that's <laughs> your number one reason. And for some okay. people, inflammation is not a big deal. Uh, it, I, would I say it, it's the most common one? Um, I don't really have enough data to really confidently state that. I think it's a common one, but inflammation also, I think, is the most vague, it's the most broad, it it encompasses so many different conditions. So it's harder to pin down where something like, we're going to talk about hormones, when you have an underactive thyroid, that is a very specific thing that we are going to have to address. And that could be limiting you where inflammation is a bit of like a, a game of like, clue, we have to figure out what's happening, where is it happening? How do we address it? What do we eliminate? What do we add in? So there's a little bit more uh, sleuthing that's required to really identify inflammation and what's, what's holding you back. Okay. Causes hormonal issues, um, like Hashimoto's high cortisol, digestive issues, food sensitivities, autoimmune medications, stress, lifestyle. Um, I mean, also things like, you know, sugar, you know, alcohol, Mm -hmm. processed meats, like the foods that we're like, how would you, how would I know that inflammation is playing a role. I'm, I'm doing all the things and I just feel like it's something is just not right. The scale isn't moving the way it should. How would I know inflammation is my issue? Yeah, that's, that's probably the most important question we can talk about in this topic because I see people that are part of the program almost every single day I'm in practice and they almost always come in saying, I heard you talk, talk on Gina Livy and I have inflammation and that they right away know like that's, but um, that's when we start figuring out and parsing out what actually their issue is. And and many times they don't have inflammation. They might have something else. What I want to say here is just because you listed all the things that we're going to talk about, they're almost all related, Gina. And so that's a bit of like a punchline that I'm stealing at the end of our conversation. And I just want everyone to understand is that, you know, the things that we're going to talk about from here on out after inflammation, inflammation is the process, but it's not the root cause. So we're going to have to understand and get at the root causes of inflammation. And so when we talk about inflammation, I kind of think about that as almost like the gateway where it's like, okay, I know something's wrong. And so a a way that I want everyone to think about is that if you have symptoms that are not explained by a condition that your doctor's diagnosed you with, uh, uh, there's the typical signs and symptoms of inflammation would be like swelling, pain, uh, kind of that inflammatory, boggy, achy feeling, there's that, but there could be inflammation that is uh, invisible and there's not a really key classical sign like, oh, it's red and swollen. You know, it could be that 
uh, you, you can have like brain fog in the mornings. And, but that yeah. also could be many other things. So I just want us to understand inflammation is not the final goal. It's the process. It's another way of thinking about it, if we're going to use a car analogy. Inflammation is the light on the dashboard that's flashing saying, hey, something's going on. I, I, I feel these symptoms. It's not, something's not right. But the issue actually is in the engine underneath. And that's where oh. we're going to get to here in our conversation. It's like, okay, so what's causing that inflammation? And, and based on symptoms, every single body, everybody has their kind of presentation symptoms. We can get at that root cause. I mean, this is why it's, first of all, why I love our guests, because that I think it's the theme of our guest experts with this group is how, how it all really works together. Like we had Alana talking about sleep and then we had Dr. Olinka talking hormones. Then when you're not getting a good night's sleep and how that affects how your body processes your foods and, and like, it's just, it's this, and further, I know this is the conversation we're having today. It's not just like any one thing that you take a pill right. and you address it. It's it's with all of these things, it's really how they all work together and affect each other, which is, again, what I love about the program, because you're just doing so many things on the most basic level to have your body working at a level that you can actually start to address these things. Okay. So can I say one more thing, Gina, that, that might be helpful for people? Um, yes. Um, one of the things that people ask is, again, as you said, how do I know I have inflammation in my body? What's, what is the signs? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to know when a person just comes into the program and they're like, I don't really know if I have inflammation. I don't feel good. Am I, is it because I'm not losing weight? Is it because I have X and Y condition? One thing we can do here is we can actually reverse engineer this. So anybody that's gone through the program and what the program does is that it starts eliminating junky foods, basically processed mm -hmm. foods, foods that are not going to be helpful for us. Those are all very pro-inflammatory foods through one mechanism or another. I could get into the reasons why, you know, a big agro commercial seed oils are not a good reason, not a good idea to eat because of pro-inflammatory. I can get into the reasons why food sensitivities like gluten uh, have inflammatory properties. However, the, th the feeling that you get after you've been on the program, you start experiencing what, what everyone calls non-scale victories. Those are the signs and symptoms of inflammation. And then when you just think about that for a second, what are a lot of the typical non-scale victories people get? You know, they're, they're, they're more energetic. Their sleep gets better. Their hot flashes get better. Their gut improves. These are all non-scale things, but all these symptoms that are very vague and broad that we would never have connected to the food that we're eating, the connection point between the food that goes in our mouth that's causing that and those symptoms, that processes inflammation. Okay. Are we ready to move on to the next, which Let's is food sensitivities? Yeah. Okay. And this is what I love about the program because you, I hate saying the word clean it up. I don't, I, I'm not into a clean diet. There's no dirty, there's clean. There's just like your choices and how they break down in your body and, and affect you at the end of the day. But because you get so in tune, because we're on a routine, you get so in tune, you start to feel the difference for making good choices. You can start to kind of pinpoint more specifically when you are consuming foods that don't jive well with your system to your point people come into the program they just feel like shit all day every day right. they don't even know what it feels like to feel to feel good so what are what what specific what are we talking about when it comes to food sensitivities is it different from food allergies and why and i'm assuming that food sensitivities cause inflammation so this is again bringing it all brings it back yeah. to inflammation Right. Yeah. Again, really great question uh, because a lot of people get these two terms confused. There's actually three terms to consider. One of them okay. is food allergies. That's the one that usually are identified as a child where a person would get a very immediate reaction after eating. This is mediated right. through a type of immune system called the IgE immune system. This is the immediate action. You know, you eat a piece of shellfish or peanut and you start getting a swollen throat. You start getting hives yeah. all over. This is immediate. This is a rapid onset. So that's ideally called a food allergy. Okay. Okay. That uh, uh, an allergist will go and assess that through kind of getting the skin prick. You can see those little needles on the arm. And if you get the redness after you get an allergy, so you could have all sorts of symptoms from that. It could be local. It can also be, you know, things like, you know, headaches, for example. Uh, and then there's this thing called food intolerances. So food intolerances are, are usually described as lactose intolerance, meaning you eat it and your body can't break it down. So okay. lactose intolerance is actually not mediated by the immune system whatsoever. It's actually mediated by the fact you can't break down a sugar called lactose. 
Some people have fructose intolerance. That's uh, less common and less, less understood, but lactose intolerance is the best one. And then finally, there's a food sensitivity. And this is also mediated by the immune system, but unlike the allergy, it's not a fast acting. It's a slower onset, but then also a much slower resolution. And that means that you might eat, you know, uh, a piece of cheese or, or eat some yogurt, or let's say we're using the example of dairy, you might not feel very, uh, very good within a, a couple hours after, or, you know, even an hour after, but then you don't feel, you might not, those symptoms might last for a couple of days. So that is also mediated by these molecules that that protein in that food is creating and it's creating in allergic inflammation in your body. So that's why there's this like segue from the inflammation conversation to food sensitivities because they can create inflammation that doesn't just affect the gut, Gina. It can affect everywhere in the body. So then do you test, because I know, again, we're going to talk about uh, uh, gut issues. We're going to talk hormone health. So when it comes to testing inflammation, is there like a subset of tests that are just inflammation? Some are food sensitivities, some are gut, some are hormones, like, <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's really what naturopathic medicine does, is that we really try to tease that out. It's hard for me to give an answer for that because there's not great tests for general inflammation. Like there is C-reactive protein, there's ESR, there's fibrinogen. These are the more common understood uh, tests, but they really test, they pick up for like more severe inflammation. So for example, you know, if there's an autoimmune process going on, your CRP could be elevated. If you have an acute infection, your CRP also goes up. So that's where a doctor has to kind of tease that out. Where when I'm talking about a person could have food sensitivities and they have their, their, those markers I just mentioned, they're perfect. They're low. Those two are not related. So you can't just do one test and say, yeah, automatically it tells me all she, uh, the, you know, they have high inflammation in their bodies. Now it's about, okay, you have symptoms. Those blood markers were normal, but then let's actually now do some specific targeted tests. Like the food sensitivity test is one of them. And that tells us, do you have food related inflammation based on the proteins that you're consuming? Okay. So then from previous conversations that I've had with you, you could have a food sensitivity to something, but then it doesn't actually appear until like a couple days later. So how would you pinpoint if you have food sensitivities? Like, and what are the big ones? Like we all, we all hear about gluten, like don't have gluten. We all have like mm. lactose, you know, we, there's like the basics that people like nightshades, like, and things that people stay away from. I think they've been just kind of hyped up. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we, how do we know? And, and, oh my gosh, this is like a 10 part question, but it is. Is, it just because, <laughs> is it just because of the way food has been industrialized? Like, why do it seems very flawed that as humans we have these sensitivities to fucking food? Like we should, yeah. be, you know what I mean? Well, trust me, I, I I totally agree, and I, and you know what? I don't lose sight of that fact that this is not uh, this is an abnormal response. But at the same time, you could also say our body's immune system shouldn't be attacking itself, but immune uh, autoimmune problems are becoming epidemic. Uh, autism yeah. levels are going up through the roof. Like there are cancer levels are going up. So there's a lot of these types of um, patterns we're seeing. And I think a lot of them have to do with, as you just mentioned, the way that our food is prepared, the way that it's stored, the way that it's treated. You know, there's a big difference between a food protein that has been majorly modified over and over and over yeah. again to be commercialized versus something that is coming right out of the ground and a person's eating it fresh. I think that those preservatives and pesticides and herbicides, they do alter that. Uh, go ahead, Gina. I think you want to say Well, something. I'm just thinking what you're talking about. Are you, well, everyone keeps talking about that blue zone on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, the, the blue yeah. zone. Everyone's saying it's it's the living method because it's a lot of just like just eating good, healthy food. I wonder, I don't know if you're watching that or I've gotten- I've seen, I've seen parts of it, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they have the same type of, um, I mean, clearly they don't have the inflammation because they're healthier people and they live a really long time. I wonder if they had those types of food sensitivities and issues that we're dealing with in those blue zones where people are living past like a hundred years old. I don't know. Well, just I, like I, think, I mean, if I think for anybody that's watching, I think it's it's worth a watch for sure. I mean, the a concept of blue zone's been around for like 20 years. I, I remember yeah. I read, the, read the book a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm glad that they're bringing some of this information out because a lot of it is, you know, really foundational dietary changes. But I think what what's not lost on me, Gina, is that it's not just about the diet. I think as scientists in the modern era, we want to isolate it like just to one factor, being like, yeah. what is they're eating? Like, what, what, what is it one food that they're eating? 
But if you look at it, I think it's it's a combination of all those things. Because again, here's the here's another sneak peek to the punchline. Your stress hormones yeah. make your intestinal lining more permeable, and that causes more food sensitivities. Yeah. Wow. You know, like that has nothing to do with food. It has to do with our our state of mind. It has to do with our stress levels. So this is what maybe people might be listening to this and be like, oh my gosh, I'm screwed. I'm, you know, because it's like, how can I can't catch a break? And, and then I throw it up. No, you know what? You start with the thing that you can control. I just had this conversation with a patient that's part of the living method just yesterday. Say, how do you start? Well, what are the things that you can actually impact? What string can you actually pull on? Well, a lot of people can't pull on their, on their stress levels and they may not know how to fix their sleep, but you can definitely control what you put in your mouth. So start yeah. with what you can control. I say this a lot and I should have like a whole book of quotes. I'm sure you do too, where it's like Gina Livy's plan is like a gateway drug. It's like an entry point to you on your journey for better health. But if you just stop at the Gina Livy plan, then you're missing out all this huge other benefit that you can, because really it's a mindfulness plan. Like I had somebody that did every single diet. They said South Beach and Bernstein and they went down the list since they were in their twenties. And then they said, I got to Gina. And her summary was, well, you know, it's, it's really just like a mindfulness plan. I said, yeah, if you really want to distill it down, it makes you think about what you're putting in your, in your, in your mouth. So, yeah. I mean, we could spend four hours, Gina, talking about the impact of glyphosates and some of these like modifiers on food and the impact. And, yeah. you know, people go to Europe and they eat gluten and they eat pasta and bread and they have no symptoms and they feel awesome. And then they come over here and they immediately feel sick. Is that the... Is that the glyphosate roundup that's in there? I mean, like you could, you could, you could have so much discourse on all this, Gina. So I think that for the benefit of everyone that's listening, I think the short answer to that really five part question that you asked me there is that there are things that do change the environment of the way that we consume food. They do change the actual nature of food. Uh, Stress levels have a role to play. And that's why I think people are sensitive to a lot of the foods that you, that, that, that are commonly consumed. Yeah, I love that. Even what you mentioned, like forever people have been like, well, people in uh, you know Italy, they're having breads and their pastas. They're having fresh made sourdough breads. They are having fresh made pasta, not pasta out of a box and whatever. Their mm-hmm. stress levels are a lot lower. They're in, you know what I mean? Like there's so much, it's all the different things that you are, that are all factoring in the quality of the foods, the way you're managing your stress, the sleep that you're getting and all of that. Like there's, a, there's so much to it. My goodness. Okay. So, um, food we sensitivities. About, yeah. Food sensitivities. We're on that. Yeah. <laughs> food sensitivities. <laughs> um, I'm so pe- what people who do the program, they tend to keep diaries. They're marking down their weight and how they're feeling and all of that. Would this food sensitivities be, be reflected in bowel movements? in skin, in like, um, all of the above, all of the above, everything, any of the symptoms you mentioned, any symptom you can think of from irritable urinary bladder issues to bowel changes to headaches. I've seen people's uh, hot flashes get better after eliminating food systems. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that it is the, the magic bullet here. I'm just saying it has that broad of an influence. Uh, and there's, there's pieces of information in the research that's been published that that allude to some, that some connections are stronger. Like for example, we know migraines have a huge food connection. Anybody that's a migrainer or migraine sufferer yeah. knows that if they eat, you know, certain foods like aged cheese or, or wine, that could be a factor. I mean, there, that, that actually could be a histamine reaction. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think the takeaway point that I want to really emphasize with everybody on this topic is that food sensitivities could be having an impact. They could be causing some of the symptoms that could be holding you back in your weight loss, it can be adding to kind of like the metabolic burden of, of inflammation. And then what a practical thing that I might suggest for everybody is that, you know, before you, if you're, if you're listening to this for the, for, for the first time, don't go out and, and purchase a food sensitivity test today and yeah. say, you know, and spend 300, $400. Like I've done that many times with my patients, but I do it at the appropriate time. What I might suggest for everybody is go through the program at least once and, and reflect after the program, have I noticed if I eat certain foods, does, do I feel a little bit worse? And I've, I'm blown away, Gina, by people that have been through the program multiple times. And we start having conversations around potential obstacles to their weight loss. And they'll come to me after a while and they say, 
Dr. Paul, I really just started being mindful about what I'm eating, even to another level, not just like doing all the check boxes on the living plan, but actually thinking about, okay, so I ate this on this day and I didn't feel good on this day. And they start telling me, you know what? I, I, I had that aged cheese and my hot flashes got a lot worse. That's mm. mindfulness. That's the next step, Gina, of people yeah. thinking about what they put in their mouths. Not just like, are you checking the boxes, but are you now thinking about the connection? So that would be the first place I would start before going to spend money on, on, on a test. If you work with an ND and they do advise that, then that is a different story because they probably deem that that's a good place to go for you. Okay. Okay. What about, so it says, let's think, cause glu everyone's like gluten, I'm gluten, I'm gluten. What happens if we take, you can't just take gluten out for two days and then see if you have an issue because you could also, it could also be dairy. So now, now it's yeah. gluten and it's God forbid, first of all, oh my God, if I could never eat cheese again. But you know, the reality is for some people, they, they, it is definitely worth investigating, looking into just to feel better. Right. But let's say I take gluten out for three days. Am I going to notice a difference? And then if it's, if I take it out for three days, and I'm still having issues. Do I also then take out cheese? And then what if it's sulfates and what if it's like, right. what if it's then something else? Like, how do I? Right. So if you've confidently been following the Gina Levy plan and you've been on the diet and you haven't noticed an improvement in gut health, which by the way, is one of the most common non-scale victories I get from patients all the, all the yeah. time. I'm sure you hear it too. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my, my bowel movements are normalized. Now, um, oftentimes it's just, you're just eating crap. That's just processed and that's causing it. Sugar can cause reflux. Sugar can cause a lot of these issues because it feeds the bad bacteria. So just cleaning that out of your diet is the first step. So if you've done that, now at least you have a level level playing field. So at that point in time, then it's like, okay, um, I'm, am I suspecting a particular food? Then you can maybe look at it and you can remove it. You need to remove that food for at least four weeks in my, in my opinion. Okay. The, the immune system has a memory of any sort of food that it's exposed to most likely for about three months, but the symptoms really die down. It kind of goes like this in the first two to three weeks. So if you're Oh yeah, I'm gluten-free. And then you're eating gluten on the weekends. That's not really going to cut it. That's not really going to identify that. I see this one about, about hot flashes and someone taking, saying that their hot flashes has gone away. Um, but they show up when I eat anything with sugar or have wine. Everyone wants to know about alcohol. What, can I just take a probiotic and prebiotic and still keep drinking my wine? <laughs> No. Well, you know, in fact, like wine, the problem with wine is not a prebiotic and probiotic uh, issue because in fact, there's lots of research. I think this is done by wine lovers because they're like, you know what? Uh, there's a lot of these flavonoids in wine, these molecules from grapes that are actually really beneficial for the growth of good bacteria. So the, the problem is not the prebiotic. Wine, in fact, not, is a okay. bit of a prebiotic. But okay. Like with ex anything excess, the, the body can metabolize alcohol. The, the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase becomes overwhelmed if you overconsume, And so then you start creating these molecules in your body that are actually toxic. And that is what gives you the feeling of being drunk and hungover. Uh, oh. And so the idea there is that if you overconsume, your lining becomes more permeable. And there's a very strong connection between alcohol, especially alcohol excess, and, uh, you know, and, al and alcohol consumption and good gut permeability. So that is a huge, that is a huge connection. So don't overdo it. That's why, you know, if you're going to have a glass of wine with dinner, that is, I think, a reasonable practice. <laughs> don't be saying alcohol is bad. <laughs> we may well, have a problem. Okay, you know, can, I, can I say something about that? Because you, um, no. you know, you mentioned something too, like, you know, God forbid cheese. And like, it, you said it, but everyone's thinking it. So like, I think it's yeah. worth just talking about it for a second. Okay. There's a lot of things that people are consuming that um, might be okay on the Gene Levy plan because they actually could be healthy. Like a common food sensitivity is almonds um, that, mm. I, that I find. Um, sometimes we have to just really consider of what are we not willing to do? Where are we not willing to go? Like a uh, common one I see with patients is they're just not willing to exercise after. So they're like, no, the Gene Levy plan should do everything. And it does. It, has a, it does like a percentage, but then there's other things you might have to do too. So yeah. you know, if there's something that you're holding on to and you're not willing to go, and after you've done everything else, that's, that pain point is probably where you need to look at going. And that's just my experience of working with people that have gone through this, the program over and over. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'd love to hear what you think, but that is what I found is that if you are resisting something and you're like, there's no way I'm changing that, 
at the end of the day, that may be where you need to look at. I agree. You you have to to, to make change to change. And, and so like I used to smoke weed. Love it. Fucking love smoking weed. I, <laughs> you know, because I have kids, I couldn't, I can drink wine. You know what I mean? I can't resist hanging over. So I'm, I mean, I'm not talking like I wake up and I smoke weed first thing in the morning, but like at night when I'm in bed, you know, I would, and I, I've come to realize that I have a, I have a, a rare reaction to it where I, I can't smoke it anymore. It, and it, it makes me sick and I miss it. I love it. I miss it. I'm so bad that, you know, when I was young, you used to have to buy a dime bag on the corner and now you can walk in any store, you can get it. And it's like legalized now where we are. And I miss it. I'm mad about it. I complain about it. I haven't smoked it, smoked it in probably two years. I don't, I don't touch it. I'm really fucking pissed off about it, but <laughs> I can't, it makes me sick. And so whether that is the same thing, you're eating cheese and having diarrhea every day and shit in your pants and can't leave your house totally or you have cramps so bad or you can't lose weight because your body's constantly inflamed. You're not just not losing weight because your body's inflamed. You're also not feeling good, too. Right. Like it, it's yeah. not like any of these things are also just stopping you from losing your weight. It's making you not feel well and that's affecting your quality of life. And so, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I would love to do that I, I can't do or can no longer do because it doesn't support the lifestyle that I want to live. And so people are asking gummies. I can't have gummies. I can't touch it. Um, so yeah, trust me, I've, I've tried to figure out a way right. I can have my cake and eat it too. And for a lot of us, we just can't. So I'm, I'm right with you. Sometimes yeah. we have to make, you know, hard choices and big changes in order to, you know, have the things we want and feel the way we want to feel. Yes. So I'm Especially right if you. you're stuck, Gina, right? Like, I think it's a matter of reflection. Like if you, uh, I'm, I'm the first one I enjoy a glass of wine or a couple on the weekend with friends. Mm. I'm a big, you know, one of the things those blue zones do is that there's all big about community and about family coming food brings yeah. us together. Right. Uh, and so I think those social connections are powerful, but you know, at some point in time, you're going to have to evaluate being like, am I just always keep doing the same thing and expecting different results? That's the definition yeah. of anxiety uh, and mm -hmm. uh, insanity. So I think that think about it as a bit of a puzzle. So a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, I can't give it up. Hold on. You're thinking already of the worst case scenario where like I will never be able to drink alcohol ever again. That's not mm -hmm. what we're saying. I think what we're saying is that if you feel like you're stuck, in your particular state right now, if you're hearing this right now and you feel like you can't lose weight, evaluate your life and be like, what am I not able to do? And what am I not willing to do to go to this next level? And if there's something like a particular food sensitivity that you might think of, like, I love cheese, no way I'm giving it up. Just try for a month, avoid all dairy products for one month. You just lost one month of no cheese, totally doable. There's people lactose intolerance that never touch the stuff. So it's totally uh, achievable. And then see if you notice the difference. And if you, I'll be the first one to say, if you've done that to the best of your ability and you're like, you know what? I didn't really notice the difference. I didn't really notice the change in my symptoms. Fine, go back and go ham on the cheese. Fine, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you can say I've tested it instead of being like, then pissing and moaning about, well, you know what? I'm not, I haven't actually lost any weight. And I'm like, so do the, do the little work and do it. Yes, this is so huge because I, I'm, I love this conversation that we're having it because be, between following the program being mindful about how your body's responding and, and reconnecting and being in tune to the maximizing, uh, you know, 20 questions with a hundred different sub questions. Plus this conversation today, you know, this is where people will come, you know, a couple of weeks from now, well, I can't lose weight and I'm doing all the things. Well, why? Okay. You should be able to tell me why, what is going on at this point? Like you tell me why you can't, like, what aren't you doing? What are you missing? What are you not willing to change? What's the conversation that you need to have that you're not having in order to figure out? Because of all the science I've ever read about weight loss, there's zero science to say that you can't lose weight. There's a lot that talks about why it's more difficult for some than others, but that's why it, this is weight loss. It's, it's just, it's, it's such a big conversation because you have to you have to factor in all of these things if you've been trying to lose weight for 20 years beyond the, the crappy diets. And this this program, this is about trying to help you figure out what you need to do. We covered the basics above and beyond that. This is where you have to go and seek a professional like yourself to, to help and figure it out. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what are the tests? Like what's, so the, the inflammation we talked about, yep. we talked about food sensitivities. Yep. I, we're touching on the gut dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. Like how do we... Yeah. So you asked me tests, right? So like, what do you do? So I think we already talked about some of the blood testing done. So like a standard blood test by your doctor with usually done, you know, as a part of a yearly physical doesn't really give you enough data. You need to do kind of an expanded blood test to look at some of these metabolic factors that might kind of say, Hey, you know what, there might be something going on around here. Like my liver enzymes are a little higher. That might be to do with fatty liver. But what the research shows, I'm actually just reading a really great paper on that is that fatty livers associated with gut dysbiosis. Mm. What is gut dysbiosis? What is that it? is the imbalance of the good and bad bacteria that are present normally in your gut. We have more bacteria than cells in our body, 10 times more bacteria. They produce really life altering things like neurotransmitters. They are essential. You could not survive without bacteria. They uh, produce things that help uh, create new nerve endings. They produce hormones. They do a lot of things that are beneficial for us, like vitamins. And if they're not happy, they're going to tell you, and they're going to give you symptoms that usually have are centered around your gut. So you're going to be gassy and bloated. You're going to be poorly reacting to probiotics and prebiotics. Maybe you've had a history of using a lot of antibiotics. So anything that really messes up the gut uh, flora, like antibiotics, we all know that you take an antibiotics and you get a yeast infection after. That's a super common one. Well, that's because it kills the bad bacteria. It kills the good ones too. And it knocks down our protective mechanism and allows the yeast to grow up. So there's this mm. balance between our bacteria are keeping these um, kind of opportunistic neighbors like candida and yeast in check. So I think that in, you know, there is a connection to the, the quality and the balance of your microbiome to your, uh, to your entire metabolism. And that's, I think, why a lot of people you know, they question, we had that initial conversation, Gina, about, you know, why are we doing the basic supplements? Why is Gina recommending a probiotic? There's a method to the madness here that is looking at all these kind of deeper below the surface reasons a person could be having obstacles. Like for example, Mm -hmm. omega-3s, what their big thing is, is that they help resolve inflammation. That's different than an ibuprofen. Ibuprofen helps block inflammation, totally different. We talked about inflammation. Now, probiotics, one of their jobs is that they keep bad bacteria in check. So if you think you're going to take a probiotic and it's going to just totally seed through your gut, it's going to re kind of re-inoculate everything, eh, wrong, doesn't do that. What it does is that it helps keep the bad guys in check, allowing your own microbiome to grow up. The microbiome you have, a lot of it's been given to you by your mom and when you were uh, as a child and also in the birth canal. There's a huge influence of childhood on your microbiome. Some of this is out of our control. Some of it we can plus or minus change. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get that balance back, Gina. So the microbiome is a very important factor in regulating inflammation and regulating uh, food sensitivities, regulating gut lining. I mean, I could talk all day. Sorry, I'm, I'm on a rant right now. <laughs> oh, I have all day. I will sit here all day and talk to you. Are you kidding? Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, the microbiome is the front line for medicine now looking at how we can impact chronic disease. It, it plays and a role in so many things. 
And there's so much we have yet to learn yeah, about yeah. it, which is really, I am, um, this is, I know this is like off topic, but um, the other day I went down a rabbit hole of this woman on Instagram who studies like microscopic things and she'll go test water. She'll test your fruit. She'll test your food and all these living things that we have no mm-hmm. idea uh, that are like, and I was like, oh my God. And so this is really when people say we have all these things inside of our bodies, like it's just, it's amazing what's going on in Incredible. there. And so this is the difference then, like a reaction to food sensitivity is something different than your microbiome being off. It's different. It's related, but different. And the way you can tell the difference is that if you quote unquote, follow like a really nice anti-inflammatory type of genolivy plan and your gut doesn't get better, you do bitters and your gut doesn't get better, your, you do probiotics or digestive enzymes or apple cider, you do all the basic things and you're, you still are having symptoms and they might even be getting worse, that's a red flag. That's something more than food sensitivities. All those things I just mentioned could be, uh, food sensitivity could be the reason for them. But if you have these kind of more persistent gut symptoms, that really are related to, they come and go wax and wane, but they're really hard to eliminate, then you're starting thinking, okay, there might be a real imbalance here. And that's where you need to do some testing. Your doctor may send you to a gastroenterologist. They may do some assessments. Now gastroenterologists, Gina, are actually looking at this thing called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. This is a condition. SIBO. That's exactly, SIBO. It's the poster child for this dysbiosis. Dysbiosis, again, like inflammation, is it's like an umbrella term that in there is like an, a yeast overgrowth, candida, which is a thing, by the way. I know it's been like huge naturopathic. Everyone talked about it uh, 10 years ago. Then everyone uh, dismissed it. And now the research is coming back saying it actually, there is some, uh, some evidence to show that it can have an issue. That's a fungus. That has nothing to do with bacteria, but that has a role to play in your gut. Then there's this thing called SIBO which I just talked about, which you can test. You can do a breath test to see, do you have too much of this bacteria in your small intestine? Remember your, your stomach and small intestine, that's the first part of your intestinal tract. It shouldn't have a lot of bacteria, but if there's all the ones from large intestine start creeping up in your small uh, intestines, that's where problems occur. And that's where there's this thing called SIBO that, uh, that describes that. Yeah. So I think what's, what's interesting, I was just thinking about online and, you know, influencers and people even, you know, and even people trying to get messaging across, you're given like one minute, 60 seconds to yeah. talk about a specific thing. And I think like these, these become hot topics, right? Like the candida versus like the, even the gut dysbiosis, like that dysbiosis isn't like just take this supplement and it's going to fix it. It's this no. conversation. It's so it's so no. it's so complex. And I think that yeah. we t- we take these things away where people are generalizing. I, they, I think they want to bring um, attention to it, but then we and give us a tip in one minute, and then this is why we have to do a whole big, huge, you know, ten different master classes with you about all these different right. topics to really to your point. We could talk all day about them. Okay. Um, I just want to go through gut dysbiosis, right? So, you know, yes. Artificial sweeteners, um, ke- like chemicals, like pesticides. That's a real thing on unwashed yes. fruit, environmental toxins, skincare products, alcohol, new medications you're adding in antibiotics, parasites, poor oral hygiene. This yes. is a, a big one, high levels of stress and anxiety. And it can, it can cause things like nausea, upset stomach, constipation, diarrhea, bad breath, trouble urinating, um, bloating, extreme fatigue, rashes, trouble, trouble concentrating, anxiety. Yep. Oh my, like, what? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much described a lot of symptoms everyone experiences to one degree or another. <laughs> and yeah. they're not thinking about gut with any of those symptoms, right? You know, it, oh. and that's the major takeaway here is that all the things we're talking about is not just about local issues. It's about the whole system. Our body operates best when all the systems are working in unison together, pulling on that same metabolic strain to help you lose weight. For whatever reason, some people's guts are balanced and they can control inflammation and they can lose weight easily. And there's other people, Gina, and we have a lot of people that are in the program. They, for a number of reasons, could have imbalances in all the things we just talked about or one of them, and they might have 
some of the issues that we are talking about here. So, I mean, I think the big thing that I want, I want people not to go away from this conversation confused because it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to get kind of like lost in the minutia. We we talked about hormones and gut cells and SIBO, and this is all confusing to everyone. I think the most important thing, just like I said with the sensitivities is if you don't know where to start and you're new to the program, finish the program, go ahead and do the program, see what's left in terms of your gut symptoms. 90% of the time, and that's just my estimation, I can't quote me on that in terms of the research, but in my opinion, 90% of the time, most people's gut symptoms get quite a bit better following the plan because that is really reflective of just poor dietary choices like the sugar, like the artificial sweeteners, all the things you just mentioned there in your list. Then if you still have the same gut issues, and I've had lots of people come to me that are part of the program or in working with their other NDs that, okay, I did the program, but nothing's changed. Now we start looking at what are the obstacles? So I look at, yeah. you know, what's the difference between food sensitivities and dysbiosis? It's hard to tell. That's why I went to school for eight years to figure that out. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's <laughs> what I do. It's hard for you to tell that. So that's when you're like, okay, I've identified my pain point. I'm going to find my healthcare team that's going to help me in my journey. So in this phase of life, I need to work with a naturopath. And then the next phase might be I'm working with a psychologist or whatever it might be. And then I'm a personal trainer. We're starting to curate our, our, our health journey assistance. And so that's a, hopefully a, a message of hope where do the program, let the dust settle, see what's left, make really good notes of like, you know, be mindful about everything. And then that's going to really help you identify what the next steps are. Yes. Yes. And what I love about having this conversation now in week five, when, you know, we have two more months left is that listen, this is probably the most important conversation because it, it's really sort of like an eye opening. This could be some of these things that we're talked about could be factoring in but showing up every day and the, doing the things that you that you need to do, following the food plan, making the changes, maximizing, focusing on stress and sleep and all those things mm. are helping you be as proactive as possible. So at the end of it, if you do find that you feel like there's something above and beyond, not only like you're just sitting in a great place then, then to go see someone who can really more like yourself finally pinpoint what's going on after doing all of these things that they've done on the program. You don't have to wait though. That's why we're giving you the comment. If you think that you have food sensitivities, start pulling out that journal. If you think yeah. you have gut issues, like make a, make a list of, of the symptoms that you're having and the things that you're having, you know? Um, I, I do want to touch on hormones. We yeah. did have doctor. I know you. I know you know Doctor Olinka. We had her on earlier talking about the different types of hormones. But how do hormones factor in with this conversation? Do hormones also feed into inflammation? And yes. you know, yes, okay. they do. And I already <laughs> mentioned one of the key connections, which is your your body's stress hormone called cortisol. It regulates inflammation. It's one of its main jobs. Everyone's heard of cortisone, like, you know, the injections, if your shoulder is sore and it's, it's inflamed, um, yeah. cortisol, cortisone are basically the same thing in the body. So we know it has a very powerful way of controlling inflammation. You know, I'm going to go out and say that hormones are probably the biggest obstacle that, um, are, are is like a direct cause and effect with weight loss mm-hmm. and the lack of weight loss. Uh, so yeah, sometimes hormones can produce excessive weight loss, like hyperthyroidism, like too much thyroid. Or in the, in the opposite, you could have low thyroid. A lot of people listening to this probably have, uh, maybe they're on Synthroid. They have already been diagnosed with a sluggish thyroid. Maybe it's still sluggish. You know, that's another thought to consider. Even though that you might be taking the uh, medications, sometimes there's those issues where you have to optimize that. So that's a very obvious one. Typically, your primary care provider is pretty good at addressing hormones. We've all, um, uh, you know, had our doctor say, you know, let's look at that. Um, yeah. Secondly, I mentioned the stress hormones. This is probably the area that I think is the biggest area that people can really get benefit from. Your adrenal system is unlike thyroid hormones, it's massively overlooked by conventional medicine. There is no good test for adrenal uh, hormones because they change depends on the part of the day. You know, TSH, which is your main thyroid hormone, it's kind of pretty regular throughout the day. There are certain peaks, but ultimately that test is fairly accurate. Testing for cortisol, if you test it in the morning, it's night and day difference between morning and night. Uh, and, and 
there's different stressors that might trigger that. So I think that if you're really struggling with anxiety, stress, and insomnia, you have to really look at adrenal hormones. And the best way to test for those is to do a urinary or saliva test throughout the day. So you have to do multiple points. And that's really what a naturopath can help you with. Uh, I find that um, anxiety, as you just mentioned, Gina, is a huge, and when I say anxiety, that could be the, the clinical diagnosis, but that could also be somebody that's just in a state of worry, fight or flight all the time. You know, you know I know everyone who's listening knows, knows who they are. If you're constantly on edge, think about this. Your nervous system is not going to allow you to lose weight. You're, it's mm -hmm. going to be stuck in rest, I mean, protect and hold on to for a rainy day. And so we start putting things in areas in terms of adiposity that we, that we don't need to. So I think that that is one of the biggest pieces that I've learned in the last 12 years of being an ND, that people's stress systems, while incredibly resilient, can become dysfunctional and over time have impact on our metabolism. Yeah, I'm just like, hello, that's me. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I've been there too, okay. Gina. I've been there too. I mean, you know, I have five kids. I'm expecting another one. I mean, it's very easy to fall into that. Uh, it, it's almost like you need to, there's this fine line between like doing the things you need to do and expending energy, but also having enough deposits. I had a great, um, you know, I had a great uh, professor when I was in medical school say that, you know, there's this condition in sports called overtraining syndrome, which is like adrenal dysfunction for athletes. It's when they do too much and think of you, are you doing too much? Think of the person listening to this. Most people would say, yeah, I am. But another way to think about it is that it's not overtraining syndrome, but it's under recovery syndrome. Ooh, yeah. So you're doing a lot, but are you doing enough to recover? <laughs> That's the key thing. A lot of people are like, I'm doing a lot. Great. You can handle that until you can't and you get an injury or you get something that comes up, but are you working as hard to recover? That's the thing. People think that they can just coast through life and allow just their body to take the hits. And there's sometimes that things are good. And sometimes you have a deadline due, or sometimes there's a death in the family, or sometimes you get in a car accident and that little fine edge that you're operating on, you slip underneath and you're at your threshold. So are you recovering? I want people to think about that. That's going to be a good takeaway meditation point, I think, for everybody. Oh, my gosh. So many good takeaways today. Again, this is not to overwhelm people and to have them walk away. I hope you didn't feel walk away feeling hopeless today. Right. First of all, if, if your weight hasn't started to move yet, that is still really normal. Second of all, these what you are doing with the program is exactly what you need to be doing if you are dealing with any of these issues. Third, so many people are like, what was that test? What was this test? What was this test? What was that test? I don't think any of that matters because you need to, you know, focus on what you need to do with the program and the plan and then make an assessment. If you need a professional like yourself, who is going to yes. talk to you about all the things that you've done and have been doing and how you're feeling to your point, your history, your this, and then they will help you assess. I don't think this is a conversation where you go to your doctor and be like, I heard that I think I have this and I need this test. I think I have that and I need this test. Like really there's a lot you can do on your own. And then that's going to get you to have a great conversation with someone like you to do the test. 100%. I think you said it the best is that simplify things. Don't put more on your plate to be like, oh my gosh. And again, increase anxiety. We're talking, trying to get <laughs> ways to decrease that. Uh, this is meant to be informational, but hopefully not a, an informational overload. If you don't know where to turn, then get through the program and do all the things you need to do and just practice being mindful and start observing your symptoms. You might notice that your gut symptoms get worse in times when you're more anxious or you're more stressed out. That's a huge connection. So in that, just in that connection right there, we can realize, wow, there's a connection between inflammation, my gut's more permeable because my hormone levels are high, my stress hormones are high, and my gut lining now allows more inflammatory molecules in, my food sensitivities start going up, my gut microbiome becomes unhappy. I just drew a line between all four of the major yeah. things that we now are looking at as obstacles. So I think people need to understand is that when you start looking at balance in your body, it's not just one thing like, oh, what can I take to lower inflammation? Dr. Paul, I'm inflamed. Give me something. No, that's not going to do it. I never give people anything. I say, okay, so what's the cause? And it usually is multifactorial. It usually requires a mindful approach. It requires a hormonal balance approach. It requires fine tuning a person's 
diet or food sensitivities. That really is the secret sauce to ultimate health is like looking how to get all your systems working together, Gina. And hopefully that, and I keep saying it, the reason I keep coming back and having conversations is because I believe that this program is the best place to start that mm. is going to slowly rehabilitate your metabolism. Think of all the people that have gone through the program that have gone through so many extremely restrictive diets. Mm. Isn't that like one of the main hallmarks? That's all the people I see. They'll tell me yeah. they're in, you know, this is their, you know, I'm the dieter. I've done all the diets. That's the first thing they'll write on their, on their little intake form. And I say, okay, so how do we restore your body's metabolism to start responding after you've beaten it into suppression over the last year? So you've suppressed it. It so, starved yourself, deprived yourself, disconnected yeah. from disconnected. yourself. Mind, it's mindless. Yourself. It's mindless to do that. All the, most of the diets are mindless. And that's why I really, really, really like this. And it's not for just your dietary choices, Gina. It's because yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm asking people, you're asking people to start thinking about their health in a very, um, in a very meditative and mindful way of being like, okay, so what's really impacting? And then when they start doing that, they start coming to you and saying, these are my issues. Can you help mm -hmm. me with it? Instead of me going and saying, what's your problem? That's how I know you've gone to that next level. If you are not able to, start giving that type of feedback to uh, your family member or to a healthcare provider being like, Hey, I, I, I've actually done the, the, I've still, I've called myself enough. I've been enough um, con contemplative, uh, you know, attitude with this whole thing. Then uh, that's how I know you're ready to go to the next level. Ooh. Yeah. And that's what we're doing here. We're empowering people, right. Nope. To recognize Oops. where they are at and what they need so that by the time they feel they need to go to a healthcare uh, professional like yourself, they, they know exactly what they've done, where they're at, you know, perhaps even a little bit about what they need. And they're able to have a conversation that's going to be productive with their healthcare mm. provider, rather than I just feel like shit, I can't lose weight, help me. Because oh. as you can tell, it's, it's a huge, massive conversation to really get into it. And that's the takeaway here. We're not, we're not helping you get a quick fix. We want you to move on from weight loss finally and forever. We want you to leave feeling your healthiest and in tune and, you know, super mindful and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you for helping us get there. I know you're going to be back. Maybe kind of, we're not sure if you have a baby. Well, not I'll, I mean, I'll be back as long as my, my, my <laughs> baby's not born on that day that we have it. I think we should be good. I, I, I think we're, scheduled for the next in about three weeks uh weeks. yeah i think i think maybe sooner than that we have a conversation coming up about um secondary supplements that actually might actually factor in and can be beneficial yeah. as an add-on um, menopause gina we haven't even talked about those female hormones which is like the biggest thing that a lot of women come to me for where it's like okay i, I got in menopause and i can't lose weight because before in their 30s and 40s they could do all the diets they could do all these changes and they were able to lose weight so there's a, there's a lot. I mean, this is scratching the surface, Gina. Scratching the surface. Because I do, I do want to talk to you about that because I, I, wanted, I also want to talk about the importance of exercise, especially sure. as you get older yeah. and you're entering menopause. You've I got to do that. I would love to talk to you about that. Yeah, I talk about my, with, with, with the members all the time. And I'm, I'm going to give people a sneak peek. Is once you do the Gina program and you've done it a couple of times and you feel like you've plateaued, that's when you start tweaking these other things we've been just talking about, mm -hmm. including exercise. Then you start mm -hmm. getting some magical uh, results where a lot mm -hmm. of people start doing exercise before and they just start pounding orange theory and they start doing all these intensive things, but their diet is crap. And then yeah. it, it's, it's the opposite order of things. And so I've noticed just based on experience that when people have the diet down pat and they're almost in like maintenance mode, uh, they're doing the, that. That's the foundation for allowing your metabolism because Think about this, what we just said, all those diets mess up your metabolism, all those restrictive yeah. things. Mm -hmm. What increases metabolism, right? I mean, all we can think about we're it. Doing here. Yeah. Exercise is one of the most powerful ways of doing that. But if your metabolism is so gunked up and messed up pre-diet, how can you start saying, I'm going to start cranking gasoline into my engine without my, my engines all gummed up? Think about it. You got to almost have to clean that shit out, you know, <laughs> right? So Anyway, so uh, I don't know, again, we could talk about it forever. You can tell I love talking about this, but really I want people to really have the best health so they can live their best life, to be there for their family members, to really be, them for, be there for themselves. Not in a vain way. I know a lot of people go about that. Um, that's not my main concern. A lot of people 
It's important. It's powerful. It's a good gateway to get people in. There's some aesthetic yeah. doctors that do a lot of that stuff, but I really, what I want to do is I want people to get uh, better on a deep metabolic level because that, and then, you know, what's the beautiful thing I'll conclude with this is that when they start getting healthy, I love seeing when they, they bring their family in and then they bring their friends in. And then it, it's like a ripple effect of like, when you do good in your own life, it's like a, it, you can't help but ripple that out to everybody else. That's cool. It feels good to feel good. It feels even better to help other people feel good. And that's why sharing is caring. And that's why I love having you on. Yeah. Um, you're so grace, gracious in sharing your your wealth of knowledge. And um, I'm you. already, I, I, like I always say, I'm, I'm, always, I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. Yeah. Same, same, Gina. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Dr. Paul, everyone, thanks so much. Uh, everyone, best of luck. The, everyone's wishing you best of luck with your- with Thank your, you. I really uh, appreciate everyone. All the best. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a great okay. day. Bye-bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com